0: If you, if you want, want to make your favorite technical news, news. give the a, a call, Hey, and welcome to Gizmo Sapiens Show 207. Matt and I are a couple of space cadets today, and so, like I said, I'm Chris, and with me today is... I am Matt. And we're going to talk about space. And we're we're specifically going to talk about SpaceX. It's no wonder we're a bunch of space cadets over here. Um, it's really humorous how successful Elon Musk's space company has been. They, uh, they're going to be on their fourth commercial crew mission using the Dragon crew capsule to the International Space Station in April, which is actually the fifth mission in total of missions outside of all the testing missions that they've done. Uh, they, uh, Boeing, who is their, uh, was, well, was their competitor, in um, <clears throat> the commercial crew program, has yet to launch their capsule with no crew, not much, much less launch it with a the crew. They keep, <coughs> it, the the schedule keeps sliding, and and some of my sources within NASA have said that SpaceX won commercial crew, and that's why Boeing is not even showing up anymore. Um, but that being said, <clears throat> um, Bo- or uh, and that that their program is the Starliner, which is kind of funny. Um, but SpaceX is uh, got the Starship, which they've successfully launched several times and landed. It is the first general-purpose reusable spaceship. Whereas the the Falcon rockets, which are reusable, are really special purpose. They're really to put payloads in space and then the, the Dragon crew capsule just happens to be one of those payloads. <clears throat> um, they in the next month or I think in March, so in the month of March they are going to do their first low earth orbit uh, with the starship and land it. And this is a, again it's, it's a test um, to make sure that their systems work. Now, they've blown a lot of starships up on the pad. They've blown a lot of them as they were trying to land them. <clears throat> um, but, you know, I recall
1: Falcon having a similar development phase.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's par for the course. They're unmanned, you know. What's you have, the point? You, you have to go in into yeah. it going, well, we may blow it up. And, you know, and, and they were smart enough to have the next one already constructed so that they could then modify it based on the the uh, data what they, they captured yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um what is funny about this is um, the usual beltway bandits uh the military industrial complex a a lobbyist who works for them is quoted as saying um elon musk is scaring the literal shit out of his competition because of his successes mm-hmm. with spacex uh, he's definitely years ahead of his nearest competitor. And I don't mean like he's a year ahead, 12 months ahead. He's years ahead of his near, nearest competitor. And why is this important, you know? Why, why do they care? They have these contracts and all this stuff. But the reason they care is because their contracts are all about to be canceled by the federal government and NASA and specific, uh, specificity, specificity. Mm-hmm. But, uh, let's try to use big words. Innumerably. Yeah. Um, the SLS program, which is the program that's to send people back to the, mar- or back to the moon, and then establish a, a, a uh, permanent base. presence on the moon, a moon base, um, that is the Artemis rocket system with the Orion capsule. Um, it's supposed to launch three missions within the next three years. So, starting in 2023, is first mission. 2024 is next. 2025. Um, they have not even tested their Artemis rocket in the test stand. <laughs> they fired the engines in the test stand, but they have not put the whole rocket together in the test stand, much less launched it to see if it'll fly. And that's not to mention the Orion capsule, which is supposed to have the crew and the cargo and everything else, being ready either. Um, where is it? Here in my notes. Um, So the article that I read mentions that Space Agency's first three Artemis Moon missions over the next three years, including a human landing plan for 2025, are all set to travel aboard the SLS rocket and Orion capsule, which are being built by Boeing, Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, Aerojet, Rocket9, and numerous other suppliers and engineering services firm. Um, SLS's first flight is delayed until at least late spring It'll be delayed later than that. Uh, they're gro- uh, the concerns are growing that even if it succeeds, the system at an estimated $2 billion per launch could prove too costly for the multiple journeys to the moon that NASA will need to build a permanent human presence on the lunar service. That makes Starship, which conducted a successful flight to the edge of the space last year, especially threatening the contractors and their allies in Congress. As Starship progresses, It will further eclipse the argument for sticking with the SLS program, according to Rand Simberg, an aerospace engineer and space consultant. Once the new system's reliability is demonstrated with a large number of flights, which could happen in a matter of months, it will obsolete less all existing launch systems.
1: at this point, I would take Blue Origin over SLS.
0: I would, too. Well, the problem with SLS, and it's not, I mean, I work with NASA, and and, and I work with, you know, actual rocket scientists. They're smart people. Um, But the problem with NASA is, like all of government, anywhere, is it's a giant bureaucracy. And so, you have things designed by committee you have launches designed by committee and then you add in beltway bandits who the longer it takes and the more money they can get them to throw into the program the more money they make i mean like anything it's follow the money of course and so these guys have been dragging their feet they also they can't in a way their bureaucracies are as big and bad as the government's and they're so risk-averse at, and I don't mean risk-averse like, you know, endangering human lives and stuff. SpaceX hasn't done any of that. But they're so risk-averse at trying new ideas or exploring the fact that you can land a rocket. Who was it, Boeing, who said when the Falcon 9, they started landing them on on floating <laughs> platforms in the ocean going, we'll never, you'll never see, you know, like in, in the cartoons where you have rockets that can be landed. And guess what? <laughs> Hmm. Those rockets continually to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and you know, I agree. Starship, in, in I believe it's in March. It's at least April, but in March, I believe they're that's their first low Earth orbit where they're going to put a Starship up in in low Earth orbit, unmanned. Unmanned. Uh, I would think. Cir- circle the Earth and then yep. land it again. And as they get better and better, it's going to be low Earth orbit mid-Earth orbit and high-Earth orbit, you know. And then we're going to start doing that with people, you know. And if they do it once a month or once every other month, you know. And and the, uh, the FAA equivalent to space lives at Marshall Space Flight Center at Redstone Arsenal in Alabama. And those guys, you know, Although they do a lot of help do a lot of the development for those programs, they just want to get you know get the missions done and so they'll schedule them as aggressively as as SpaceX wants to do it and I'm all for it i you know it, what was it you said when we were discussing this earlier um, this is when the government gets out of the way and capitalism
1: does what it does best this is this is what the free market does yeah you know I mean it, when, when you eliminate the the barriers that come with government control of any industry let alone space uh this is this is what this is what you get
0: well you know and, and i think a lot of the even you know where blue origin nasa gave the the lunar lander program to spacex um, awarded it to them and then it was uh, blue origin contested the award and all this and They spent all this money with lawyers and delayed the program but in the end spacex still has the program that was just a ploy um by these folks who are on the losing end of what's going on you know
1: well and again they wouldn't be on the losing end if they'd stop losing and i don't mean in the courtroom i mean yeah no i agree if they would you know get your equipment up on orbit and get it
0: Useful. I, I totally agree with you. They, it, it, it's got to happen.
1: NASA has become useless to me. I, I don't understand why it's still an agency. They ought to just shut it down, give all of those facilities to SpaceX, and let Elon Musk buy those facilities. Yeah. Reduce the, the federal deficit by a fraction by having him buy all that that, that property and facilities well
0: I, I don't think NASA would
1: you know like let me revise an extend because NASA does a lot more than space yeah what we, they're doing in Kennedy and what they're doing in Houston should be privatized
0: I agree and I, I, the, the launch complexes and all of that I, I agree I think I think as we move forward now I can understand some of the the mission control aspects that live out at, like, Marshall. Uh, because, again, they're the FAA of space. You know, they schedule all the flight traffic control and, and all of that. I, I, that I'm, can, not, I'm
1: not opposed to that. Yeah,
0: that that can stay. But the actual space launch facilities, you're right, it should be privatized. Um, and, and because at, at the end of the day, what we're finding out now is that NASA, we've sunk... We've sunk money, $2 billion or more, into SLS, and we're going to end up just paying SpaceX. SpaceX
1: to fly the mission for us, you know? And what'd we get for that $2 billion? Nada. Correct. And,
0: and I, you know, and I'm glad to see companies like Boeing and, and McDonnell Douglas and Lockheed Martin and Northrop Grumman and all these old-time Beltway bandits <clears throat> get displaced in those markets, you know, because they're, they're half the reason, too, because they, it, the government has allowed them to stagnate and continue to pay them to stagnate that we're not farther ahead than we
1: are. Exactly. You know, I, I talk about this offline. You know, this is like the rail industry complaining about oil pipelines, and semi-trucks. Yes. I mean, it's, you can't stand in the way of innovation. Well, I mean, we talked about this, I think in a
0: previous podcast, but I mean, it's the same thing. This is just like when Amtrak was created by the government to to preserve passenger trains, which- That
1: had no demand. That had no demand,
0: which was why all the train companies were getting rid of passenger service. Because airlines and motor vehicles had supplanted all of that.
1: Exactly. You know? I like that analogy even more.
0: You know, and and I can see this happening. And, you know, I'll tell you what the big issue is. I don't think it's that Boeing and these guys are upset that they might lose some NASA contracts. I think they're more upset that they're going to lose a whole bunch of future DOD contracts with, like, Space Force and the Air Force and the Navy and... Because companies like SpaceX who have more innovative solutions are going to come in and go, we can do this for a third of the cost.
1: Oh, and it's reusable. Oh, and, you know. And and now you're talking about diversifying and spinning off SpaceX, which I think is entirely feasible.
0: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, but it's kind of funny because... It's easy to say when, and Elon Musk is not the only one who did this, Steve Jobs did this. Um, uh, even Bill Gates, to a large degree, did this. They, they said what they were gonna do. And it's easy to go when they said, they're, oh sure, they'll never get that done. And then they hit the first milestone and they're successful. And then they hit the next milestone and they're successful. And they hit the next milestone and they're successful. You can't be a you, you, you can't be a pundit in that respect. Yeah. You can't go, oh, they're never gonna get there. Well, that first eight things he said he was gonna do, he got done. <laughs> you know. I
1: mean you never Unless listen. you're
0: trying to break the law of physics, like you know, you know, hey, we don't have anything that can power a warp drive, but we're gonna have warp drive. <laughs> you
1: know? Well, I mean, again, in 6 months. This goes back to this goes back to John F. Kennedy in the 60s saying, "Hey, we're going to go to the moon by the end of the decade." Yeah. I mean, he had no idea. Well, at that
0: point, he yeah, he
1: had no idea and
0: they had no idea how they were getting there.
1: Yet all it took was a vision and the the will to to make it happen. Yeah.
0: Well, and look at everything that came out of those early space missions. Whether it was something like, and, and albeit Tang existed before the space mission, but products like Tang, the ballpoint pen, um, resealable uh, plastic bags, you know, all of that stuff, for the most part, yeah, the ideas were there, but because the space program happened, all of that got pushed and, and became ubiquitous within normal society.
1: You know, microwave meals. All of that. Yeah. Imagine what will come out of a
0: mission to Mars. Well, yeah. Even even if it takes longer than we think it is, if if you keep up the. I. I, I, and, I and the funny thing about Musk is it's not like Musk. He, and, and SpaceX have made breakthrough, scientific breakthroughs in, in the laws of physics or chemistry or material science or whatever you want to call it, but they're an engineering company. What do engineers do? They apply all the principles of science, and they found ways to apply the principles of science to move things ahead, and we're not seeing that out of other companies. I mean, and now I, I will say this. I think SpaceX the way it's run is much more a tech company because they look at other tech companies as their competition. And so in the tech world, you know, the Apples and the IBMs and the Intels and the Microsoft and stuff, competition is intense, you know. I mean, you you remember the days when you know, we were we would look at two or three years between an OS release. Yeah. And then it became annualized and then it became rolling like it is today, where it's as long as you own the device, you get the next upgrade and they're they annual, you know. But that's the way the tech world moves. And you know, even look at Intel and its new thing, what it's trying to do, where on their server chips, their Xeon chips, they're trying to make um, them parts or or functionality, physical functionality in the hardware be licensable so that um, maybe I sell you a chip, but you don't license all the functionality on it, but if you need it in the future, you just buy the license and apply it, I mean, that's a big deal, you know, because that means you're not ripping and replacing. It's also a sustainability thing because, again, you have less e-waste if you need extra power and all you need to do is apply a, a software license in it, it enables the capability. On the other hand, <laughs> I'm like, just give you the whole thing. But again, I think this is Intel trying to make a niche in the market for themselves. But that, that idea is, <clears throat> it sounds kind of crazy, but there might be some merit to it. I, you don't know. And they're willing to take the risk because the competition is so great that they think that makes, gives them a market advantage. Whether it's a monetary advantage to them or it becomes a market advantage to eliminate competition. You know, keep your competition out of your account. And that's the way I think SpaceX has looked at developing the technology. And, and, and unfortunately to all the other competitors,
1: they've just outstripped them. But again, it's because Blue Origin may be the exception. Um, Well, Musk, SpaceX isn't all there is to him.
0: No, it isn't.
1: You know, and he's the driving force. So it's not like all his eggs are in one basket. Correct. Correct. Most of these other competitors. This is all they do. And they're not very good at it.
0: Yeah. Well, look at Boeing. I don't know why you would be giving particularly after the seven thirty seven Max mm-hmm. debacle and then trying to cover it up. Yeah. Why you would be giving them I would have frozen all federal contracts
1: to them. They should be out of business. Yeah. They really should they should be out of business. They should
0: be out of business and they're they're uh they're
1: Because out of the ashes of that, some new company would would benefit from having those employees Yes. A, a, and do something new and different and innovative. And don't get me wrong, Boeing is a giant in the aviation industry. Oh, yeah. Losing them would be huge.
0: But, you know, it's kind of what we said before. But you can't, Like they're like, not too big to they're fail. They're not too big to fail, exactly. They're... There, there's no company who is too big to fail. You know there, there is profit to be made or as you call it, creative destruction mm-hmm. uh, from the destruction of some of these old institutions. And, and don't get me wrong, I'm not a 20 year old firebrand you know who wants to burn everything down because I think we can make it better, everything better.
1: But no, there's a difference between yeah. failure that's acknowledged and you learn from it and you, you make your product better i.e. let's blow up 20 falcons so that we can get a falcon that works. Yep. Versus, hey, let's hide this flaw and not tell anybody about it and have two jetliners crash in two months. Yeah. Killing God knows how many people. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. That's the level of arrogance ...that you get from a monopoly. Very
0: true.
1: Very true. And uh, a, a government oversight that has become too friendly with said monopoly. Yeah. Well, the,
0: you know, that brings us to the whole issue of... I mean...
1: Um, and would I ever foresee that happening with SpaceX? I don't want to speak for Elon Musk, but I get the general sense from him that he's one of those people that just wants to do it right. Yes. I, I agree. I agree. I I can see
0: Jeff Bezos moving into that. That that's where he wants to be cuz yeah. he doesn't he, does, he yeah. has all the money he needs. So it's all about power for him.
1: Yeah. That's what scares me about Blue Origin. Yeah. I mean it just when Shatner went up I was like, "Oh, I'm going to have to watch this just to make sure old dude makes it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was nothing compared to, you know, what Crew Dragon's been doing. Yeah, exactly.
0: I'll tell you what's so cool about the Crew Dragon is it looks like a spaceship. It Uh, does. You know, in science fiction with all the touch screens and they show it. And, you know, the astronauts are, you know.
1: It There's, I call it the Appleization of technology. Well,
0: well, you you, you know what it it just—it
1: looks clean. It looks yes,
0: but you know, so you look at at the space technology we've used, including the you know up up until the Crew Dragon, and there's been a lot of clicky switches Mm -hmm. and flashing lights but no display screens, no keyboards, no no things that we associate with real computing mm-hmm. today. And you get in to the dragon and it's like, you know, it's got all these sensor screens and all this stuff and and, and like you said it, it's like an Apple store in space. <laughs> it, it's just clean, you know. Yeah. It doesn't look dirty and
1: it, it's what we But that's because all of our previous space technology was built off of 60s technology, including the space shuttle. Oh, I know. Uh, I mean, uh, I, we, we talk and uh, joke about our cell phone being more powerful than the Shuttle Columbia when it launched back in, was that 80 Yeah, but it's not just
0: more powerful. It's a 1,000 times more powerful or 20,000 times more powerful. I mean... It's exponentially more powerful,
1: you know. And we didn't think to, um, well, that's not entirely true, because the, uh, the succeeding space shuttles did get modest technological improvements. But even so...
0: Yeah. I well, mean, even the ISS, which is, is much more modern than the space shuttles are, doesn't, I mean, with the exception of the fact that there's laptops on arms that everybody are using, doesn't appreciably look much different than, yeah, you know. And like I know that, technology. Yeah, I know that's an aesthetics thing. It's not really a functionality thing. And I also understand that you know the Soyuz rockets that we were ferrying astronauts up to the International Space Station were even older than our 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 rocket technology. <clears throat> um, and good for that. I mean, it's awesome that it lasted that long, and it's still being used in many cases.
1: But... Well, and, and honestly, so long as it continues to be technology that's reliable, I'm not opposed to using it. No. I'm just saying we could do so much more. Yeah. Well, the, the, the problem is... There's, there's reasons why the shuttle itself, the orbiter, was the only reusable part. Yeah. I mean, do I think without the shuttle you don't get Crew Dragon? Mm. I mean, I think the idea would eventually have evolved. Well, you but know, the idea of hey man, we can take this piece of uh, equipment, put it up into space, and bring it back. Look, you know, I I actually think the shuttle the the shuttle idea was a PR
0: idea. Of course. Um, the space shuttle only really made sense as a space vehicle, and. and It was used exactly the way it was designed for, which was low Earth orbit, um, and it was reusable for the fact that you could land it, because our atmosphere will allow you to follow Bernoulli's principle at a reasonable rate of speed and still, and you fly it like a plane um, to land it. But as a long term, if you're planning to go to the moon, planning to go to Mars, planning to go to the asteroid belt, The space shuttle does not make a a compelling case for being a good space vehicle.
1: But there's reasons why it was called a space shuttle and not a spaceship. Yeah. It wasn't designed to do any of those. It wasn't designed to go back to the moon. It wasn't designed to go anywhere but low-Earth orbit and maybe a space station. Uh, That's the whole purpose. It was to get people from the planet... Into space. Into space And, and equipment. I mean, that's all it was supposed to do. It was supposed to be a space truck. Well, well but for th- crying out loud,
0: that's as far as it got. Yeah. But that being said, that's also one of the the uh, reasons for the Starship. I mean, one of the things that, from a commercial space prospect, that even the DOD is looking at, so Space Force is looking at, and the U.S. Army and and Marine Corps are looking at, is the fact that, they can, anywhere on the planet, they can load up a battalion's worth of stuff into a starship, and it can be there in an hour. Yeah. Anywhere on the planet.
1: Yeah. You know? What an innovation that would be to war. Oh, I know. I mean, just think about that. I mean, I, I, I watched a, 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 a thing over the weekend there was talking about the the Kosovo war and how difficult it was to get 24 Apache helicopters into Kosovo. Well, imagine loading all that onto a starship. Yep. And get it there in an hour. In an hour with all the logistics, all the support units, all of that. Mhm. That's an innovation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you know, that being said, you know from a commercial perspective that could change logistics so one of the things I do and I I know I've mentioned this on the podcast is every morning I read Bloomberg's logistics newsletter they Monday through Saturday they put a new one out every Monday through Saturday Sunday's the only day they have off and they go through and you find out what the logistics snafu and a lot of what's in there is also directly related to inflation and the cost of goods and the, one of the things that's, that's readily apparent if you read this that you really understand, besides the fact that there, the logistics industry is fascinating to me. There are companies who all they are are analysts of the logistics systems, and so they analyze all the, they take all the data from all the ports across the world and they compile them, and they have like a a uh, what it, it's green, red, orange, black. Orange being the second worst, and black being the worst for like backups at at uh, ports. And like in the United States, only two ports are in green, and ever two ports, Long Beach and LA, are black, and all the other ports are orange. You know, which means that there's a there are uh, more than a hundred and four or, or more than 100 ships out at sea waiting to come into port much less how do they empty it because you know it's not that that's only part of the logistics issue if you have no more space in the port to unload ships because material isn't moving via trucks and and everything else um, that backup's gonna you know it, it it is the bottleneck is moved around depending on where you're at and they were. But they analyze all that and then they give everything a, you know, an outlook and, and then they tie it to the cost of a container, since you know, most semis just they load a container onto a flatbed and goes and, and that's, off it goes. And, yeah. it goes. and yeah. this time last year so we're in the middle of the pandemic then, yeah. heavily, this time last year. A average container was like $1,800. That was the freight cost for a container-sized full of stuff. And today it's anywhere from 8000 to 14000
1: And you wonder why we're facing such stagflation, really.
0: Well, and what's happening is, so uh, Apple's a good example. So, you know, Apple created their their M1 Pro and M1 Max chips and put them in in uh, new MacBook Pros right before Christmas. Partly because they knew people would buy them for Christmas as Christmas gifts, but these are professional machines. They're for doing real work, and so a lot of companies, your your end is on December thirty first. So we put them out in November with a, a delivery date before, then you can use that to write off on your business. Yeah, before the end of your your fiscal year, and. It was cheaper for Apple to ship them via airplane than it was container ship. And they're lucky because at least their products are small enough that they can be packed into an airplane.
1: Well, I've actually been somewhat surprised that air freight hasn't had...
0: Air freight has gone up,
1: but not at the same rate as container ship freight. The problem but is. But that's only because you can make the ships bigger. Yeah. Airplanes have kind of reached their maximum size they could really feasibly get.
0: Yeah, yes and no. I mean, you could make airplanes bigger. I don't know that they'd be any more efficient at moving. The problem with airplanes is that there are certain types of things you cannot move. Yeah. You can't fly a bunch of cars feasibly on an airplane because you just can't load that many on there. You know, there there is a weight to fuel ratio you have to worry about. Um, whereas on the ships, that weight to fuel ratio is much, much different. Right. And uh, and everything. So but, you know, companies who have products that don't know that you can pack a lot of products in a small space um air freight a lot of them have moved to air freight so a lot of electronics companies have done that just to get their product out now on the other on the flip side of that too you have in the material world and the logistics world supply chain um like um amd has not has already sold out their entire production run for 2022. They sold it was sold out before the new year. So what are they going to do for a year? They're going to, you know, make promises. I guess well, they did buy Xilinx, which is the company who created the ASIC or not the ASIC, the uh, FPGA, field programmable gate array, which is like an ASIC. Um I don't know if Xilinx has their own fabs. I think they do. Correct me if I'm wrong. Send me some feedback. I'm too lazy to look it up as we're recording this. <laughs> but um, I think that was part of the reason they bought the company. That, that and the fact that Xilinx makes ARM chips, and so that gets um, they get ARM expertise, and they also get a ARM license, since NVIDIA is not going to own ARM. Mm-hmm. Um, which I thought was a bad deal anyway. Because uh, there's only one or two companies who have legacy arm licenses where they get to do anything they want with them, Apple being one of them, and uh, I, th- uh, Qualcomm the other. And that's because Apple bought a company years and years ago who made chips for missile s- rocket systems, missile systems. It was kind of funny because you know Apple has always kind of been they have not been anti-government or anti-DOD, but they've always been, we don't build stuff specifically for the defense industry for you know, weapons, but the company they bought, that's all they did. <laughs> <laughs> but the chips that that company made are, you know, what's in your iPhone, what's in your iPad, now what's in your Mac? Um, and a lot of people are going that way. And that's, again, that's part of the innovation. You know, I, I laugh at at Intel, and what they're doing, I mean, they don't make bad products, and I use them. Um, but going forward, they're, they're like Boeing and, and Lockheed Martin compared to Apple and Qualcomm,
1: you know? Which is kind of like Boeing and SpaceX. Yes. I mean, it's to, to, to bring us back to where you started. It, exactly. <clears throat>
0: exactly. Well... Let us know what you think. Refute some of our claims. I don't care. If you send us feedback, we will gladly talk about it and and present your feedback on uh, on air. So send that feedback to gizmosapiens at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. And we'll see you on the digital flip side. Gizmo Sapiens, a technology and entertainment podcast. You can reach us at our email address at gizmosapiens at gmail.com.
1: That's G-I-Z-M-O-S-A-P-I-E-N-S at gmail.com. We'd really love to hear from you, and we'll see you next week from the digital flip side.